Greetings, loved ones. Today we're going to be reading a little portion of Chicken Soup for the Soul, a book of miracles. I'm going to open up to random readings. And I have one here called The Miracle in the Highlands. He trusts in the Lord, and let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delight in him. Psalms 22, 8. This story comes to us from Mark Rickerby. <clears throat> what a name, huh? Mark Rickerby. All my relatives are from Northern Ireland, but my cousin's husband's-to-be was Scottish, so they chose to be married in Braemar, a quaint storybook parish that has been home to kings, noblemen, and luminaries of the art of worlds for centuries. I was happy to attend the wedding and tour the village, surrounded by the legendary and dramatic Scottish highlands, full of dash roof cottages, emerald green pastures, deep forests, rocky cliffs, and outcroppings, abundant wildlife, and arched stone bridges over icy cold, babbling brooks. I was eager to explore the highlands, but the duties of the wedding and family consumed most of my time. The wedding was held in a quaint ancient stone church full of warmth and yellow light. I had some time to myself the next day, so I walked to a bicycle shop in the village, rented a mountain bike, and cut out for the highlands. I called my mother from a phone boat to tell her I would be gone for the day. She said, if you see any white heather, pull a few sprigs for me. It's good luck. Purple heather is lucky too, but white heather is very lucky. It took me an hour to get into the hills, but the Scottish Highlands were everything I ever dreamed they'd be. I stopped by a river flowing past a whitewashed cottage and saw fish jumping in and out the water, rabbits and gray squirrels running on the bank, and a stage resting in the shade of the other bank. The air also repleted with bluebirds, butterflies, and a variety of insects. It was like I had stepped into Bambi atmosphere and thus named one of the rabbits Thumper. I continued my journey by riding uphill along the river bank until I reached a bridge. I crossed it and found verdant pastures dappled with sunlight. I strayed into a field and got chased by a herd of cows, which was quite frightening until I realized they were more afraid of me than when I was of them. When I stepped toward them, they would all step back. When I stopped, they would all stop and stare. The only reason they were following me is because they thought I had food. They could have easily crushed me into a fine powder, but they were afraid of me. It was very sur surreal for a city boy. Farther down, further down the road, I saw a hedgehog, as well as enormous slugs, birds I couldn't identify, a wild goat, and a red fox. The hedgehog rolled itself into a ball when I came near it. I sat down and waited for it to open up and walk again. It finally did, and I got so caught up in watching it, I didn't notice the dense fog rolling in. The day went from clear to stormy within half an hour, proving, proving a line familiar to anyone from Grant, Great Britain. If you don't like the weather, just wait 15 minutes. 
Without the sun, the temperature dropped about 20 degrees. The clouds were growing darker and threatening. In my hasty departure, I had failed to pack a coat, long pants, a blanket, or water. I said goodbye to the hedgehog and began riding in what I thought was the direction home. However, all the dirt roads looked the same, and I couldn't simply follow my same path because I had never come over the hill and dale to reach where I was. The terrain was a natural roller coaster. The clouds had obliterated the sun so I could not use it as a guide. I rode for an hour before admitting to myself that I was hopelessly lost. I thought, I know I rode west, then north, if I only had a compass. But I didn't have a compass. I didn't have anything. It was the perfect formula for disaster. No proper clothing, no food or water, no compass, no people anywhere to ask for help. I hadn't seen another living soul for hours, and to top it off, a violent storm was moving in. I took refuge in an abandoned barn until the rain let up, rubbing my arms to keep from freezing entirely. Not wanting to spend the night in icy cold hay, however, I pressed on. The day grew darker still until stages of hypothermia were beginning to set in when I passed a small hill covered with purple heather. At the very top of the hill there was a small patch of white heather, the only white heather I had seen all day. I thought, well, at least if they could find my body up there, I'll be holding on my cold, dead hands the white heather that my beloved mother had asked me to pick her up for her. I laid down the bike and climbed to the top of the hill. I began to break off a branch of the heather when I saw something shining beneath it. I pushed the heather aside and saw a compass. almost jumped out of my shoes when I saw it. It was exactly what I had asked for. Except for the compass, there was no other sign of the presence of another human being, not even a footprint. It was a cheap plastic compass, but it worked just fine. The direction it pointed me in was the opposite of the way I was planning to go. When I pedaled into, into town, I learned that the clouds had been gathering produce, one of the worst storms the area has seen in ages. It is quite possible I could have frozen to death had I not found the compass, but then I thought, why shouldn't a miracle happen here? This is God's country, one of the most spectacular pieces of land He ever created. Soaking wet and freezing, I arrived home and gave my mother the white heathers. Later that evening, as I sat with my family by the fireplace, safe and warm from the howling wind and rain buffering on small cottage, I recounted my howling tale. I thanked my mother for asking me to find the white heather and God for providing the compass hidden beneath it. Mark Rickerby. Wow. Talk about a miracle. Now that's a genuine miracle, folks. I have read that before. So I'm kind of glad I did, so I can respectfully read it a little faster for you. And I didn't remember the punchline. Isn't that beautiful? That God will give us what we need at exactly the right time, so we can have faith in Him that He has eternal saving power for us. Why fret? Why worry? Our next story is called Family Resemblance. And it, by the way, this is story 101, the last story in the book. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Psalms 3, 5. Mrs. Martina Hines, a woman I never met before, took on one look at me and uttered seven words that changed my life forever. No more than ten minutes after I arrived in my girlfriend's party, she gave me the once over and then announced, Girl, you look just like Sandra Penn. I've been searching for my birth mother for more than 20 years. All I ever knew about her was that her last name was Penn. After a brief conversation with this enchanting woman, I knew in my heart that this was no coincidence. Mrs. Hines began to cry as we agreed that God had brought us together for something awesome. We could feel it. Although she spent most of her adolescent years hanging out with the, this Sandra Penn, she hadn't laid eyes on her for 15 years. She hadn't even thought that much about her until now. Our search for Sandra Pan began. Mrs. Hines' sister was the one who had lost been in touch with her. All she had to do was find Sandra's phone number and call her. Two weeks later, she did, and that was it. Seventeen days after meeting Mrs. Hines, my lifelong needle in a haystack search for my birth mother was over because the needle called me on my cell phone. She, we were reunited two Saturdays later, exactly one week after my 34th birthday. The minute I laid eyes on Sandra, my birth mother, I understood what all of Mrs. Hines' fuzz was about. I really did look just like her. I've been obsessed with family resemblance ever since I could remember. For all of the wonderful gift that mom and then my dad, my adopted parents gave to me, resemblance was not among them. I didn't have eyes, eyes or mom's smile or any other unique physical traits that belonged to them. When my birth family came rushing through my door all at once that day, my mother, my brother, my sister, and my little niece, there was family resemblance as far as the eye could see. Not only do I look like my mother, I'm the spitting image of my younger sister too. My brother looks like a combination of all of us and niece looks just like my sister and like me. God has indeed brought us together for something awesome. We could feel it. Pat, Pam, Durant, Aubrey. Thank you, Pat. All right. Uh, story 100, Psalms 45.2. You are excellent of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace since God has blessed you forever. Psalm 45.2. Woo-hoo. This story is called Christmas Grace. Snow continue its determined onslaught outside the assisted living facility windows. By late evening, I grew anxious about how the road will be when I headed home. It was the week before Christmas. I should have been on my way home by now. The evening receptionist who was rescheduled to relieve me had phoned to say she'd been unable to get her car started. Why was that I unlucky one stuck behind a receptionist's desk when I should have been home sipping a hot coffee and decorating the Christmas tree? The telephone shrill, answering a little grouchily, I heard a man's voice. Is this Ivis rental car? I tried to remain calm. No, I'm afraid our phone number here at the assisted living facility is one digit different than Avis. Let me give you the number so you don't have to look it up again. Sign, I quickly glanced at the familiar number of the car rental company on the pad of paper in front of me. 
I finished giving the gentleman the number, wishing him a Merry Christmas just as I walked to hang up. I heard his voice in midair. Wait a minute, please. Yes, I said. I know this must sound insane, but I have to ask, do you believe in miracles? I sat straight in my chair, startled at such a question from a total stranger. Definitely. Why do you ask? I'll try to make a long story short. My parents recently passed away in a car accident. I have no left, no one left in the world but a grandmother somewhere in Virginia who I haven't seen since I was little. An uncle placed my grandmother in an assisted living facility when he grew too ill to take care for her any longer. He's gone on to heaven as well. I have to ask, do you happen to have a great shepherd at your facility? My heart beat faster as I recognized the familiar name. I pictured the gentleman holding his breath on the other side while I listened to the pinging sound of the icy precipitation pelting the window to my right. Are you still there? He asked finally. Yes, I'm here. I wish I would give you the information you're after. I'm afraid there's a privacy policy that prohibits me from answering. The director of the facility will be in her office on Monday morning. However, I understand your responsibility in protecting the residents. The young man sounded so sad. Thank you for your time. Merry Christmas. Wait. Yes. Virginia is a beautiful state to visit at Christmas time. Let me give you our address in case you happen to be traveling through our area anytime soon. Bless you. Christmas Eve arrived at work earlier than usual. Christmas lights twinkle on the decorated trees up and down the hallways. Carols drifted from beneath a resident's closed door as I delivered the morning paper. I was passing Grace Shepherd's room when I suddenly froze in place. Grace sat in her usual rocking chair, her Bible on her lap. Seated on the stool directly in front of her was a handsome young man with curly dark hair. His hands gently clasped Grace as she read the Christmas story. Suddenly, Grace spotted me. Paul, here's the woman who helped you find me. Mary, please come and meet my grandson, Paul. I hurried inside as tears clouded my vision. The young man slowly rose to his feet, taking my hands in his. How can I ever thank you for leading me to my grandmother? Shaking my head, I attempted to talk around the enormous lump in my throat. We both knew it was a Christmas miracle. Yes, it was. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Paul, Merry Christmas, Grace. Making my way back to this reception area, I sent a silent prayer heavenward. Father, now I know why I was so I was meant to stay late the other night. Thank you for the miracle of Christmas and for your abiding grace. Paul's grace too. I couldn't help smelling, smiling. It was going to be a glorious Christmas by Mary Z. Smith. One more story, please. Uh, story number 99. <clears throat> I will make darkness light. This is taken from Isaiah 42, 16. And I will bring the blind by a way that they not known. I will lead them in path that they have not known. I will make darkness light. These things I will do unto them and not forsake them. Isaiah 42, 16. You know, I've been reading these books off and on, and this is the first time I paid attention to the beautiful scriptures that set the tone for the story. This story is sent to us by Ham Bos Boswick. Boswick. 
Even though I am partially sighted and night blind, I knew the bus driver had not let me off in front of the high school for my night class. Oh no, it's pitch black and I'm lost. I exclaimed in frustration. What do I do now? I was not where I should have been left off. My pulse quickened, breathing slowly. I tried not to panic. I prayed while my stomach whirled. Lord, I got myself into a mess and I'm scared. You know where I am and I don't. Please help me find my way. How could I listen to God's answer while my heart raised with anxiety? I made an effort to calm down. When I grew quiet in my turmoil, the impression came strongly. Go to where you can see lights. I squinted and where there had been none, I could see a light shining like a beacon in the distance. I felt peaceful. I sensed God guiding me. As I ventured toward the light, my white cane tapped only cement. Some unseen power was helping me stay in the middle of the sidewalk. I eventually came to what I appeared to be a parking lot and found my way to the front of a building. Seconds after going through the doors, a familiar voice called out to me. Pam, what are you doing here in my church so far away from your home? Oh, Susan, I choked out my unbelievable relief to my sister-in-law. I got lost on my way to class. The bus driver dropped me off at the wrong stop. I'm so glad to see you. Then breathlessly, I told her my story. Susan hugged me. I just happened to be here for a Bible study at the exact moment you needed to be found. We both know that that was no coincidence. I smiled and nodded my agreement. While Susan drove me to the high school for my class, I described where I had been walking. As we passed that place, Susan exclaimed, There are ten-foot-deep trenches in both sides of that path you were on. I sat in stunned silence. God had delivered me from the immense danger and led me on paths I did not know. Pam Boswick. Amen. Let God's leading, Lord, lead us, Lord, unto thy paths. Thank you for guiding us into these stories and strengthening our faith for the journey. Bless the hearers, their heart, and their love. Heal them, body, soul, and mind, in Jesus' name. Amen. Give them heaven, family. Get out there and have some fun.